You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey there, Nonplus listeners. You're the sort of person who likes to partake of a tipple from time to time. A what? A tipple. You know, it's a bit of, it's a bit of booze, but coyly and a little British. Coyly British is my stage name. Okay. If you enjoy <laughs> a cocktail from time to time and you're looking to jazz things up a bit, you should definitely check out Shaker and Spoon. Yeah, Shaker and Spoon is a really cool subscription service that helps you be your own mixologist. They send you a new box every month centered around a carefully curated cocktail theme. Inside, you'll find all your ingredients, instructions, and even mixology definitions to help you craft your very own fantasy fancy cocktails. You provide the poison, Shaker and Spoon provides the pizzazz. To sign up and get $20 off your first box, head over to shakerandspoon.com forward slash nonplussed. Again, that's shaker, A-N-D, spoon.com slash nonplussed to get 20% off your first order. I'll drink to that. And one for Molly. Not what you said last night. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't even get the... <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't even get it. Y'all got the punchline, but you didn't get the setup. <laughs> I mean, do all of the noises that you need to do before we actually begin recording this content. All right, hold on. I'm opening a bottle. Another episode of Non Plus, a gay romp through the Disney Plus vault. That over there is my husband, Clancy. And over there is my beautiful husband, Josh. Ooh, and this is a Spooptober ah. episode of Non Plus. Boo. <laughs> what? It's so scary. Boo what? Oh, I get it. I thought you were you were booing. I wasn't booing. I mean, I was booing. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Yes. Happy <laughs> Spooptober, everyone. The decorations are up. And we're covering Halloween content all month long because SEO matters. <laughs> but first, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Mischief Merch. They've got everything you need to make your Halloween happy. Of course, they have the Hocus Pocus themed merch. Oh, yeah. It's like the Sanderson Witch Museum and book, like all of that so stuff. Good. They've also got some Loki themed Goddess of Mischief. Oh, shit. Sure. Goddess of Mischief merch, which is Loki's coming back soon. So excited. And then some original Mischief designs and more. Remember, if you use the code nonplus10, on uh, Nonplus or Marvel stuff, you get 10% off. Yeah. You're welcome. Super cool. Super cool. Real quick, some news before we get started. Disney Plus is cracking down on password sharing. I hate it so much. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, they got to get that subscribership back up so that they can afford these Marvel shows and all, yeah, and all of these strike demands. It's all fucking dumb. <laughs> Again, it's just because Netflix did it and no one as put up too much of a stink and now it's like yeah everybody else is gonna do it so you i feel know, like everybody seems it's it, like it's a foregone conclusion most people sharing passwords just don't want to pay for like they would they just don't wanna i, I could be overgeneralizing. I'm, I'm willing I mean, to believe that i i honestly think it's probably just going to cause a lot of people to really think about do we really need another subscription service yeah and then they won't subscribe and you know what? there is some stuff that's come to netflix recently that i can't remember off the top of my head but i might want to resubscribe a little bit well, there's that um, and some other stuff. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I can't remember off the top of my head. No worries. Um, so anyway, I'll put the link for the Ars Technica article about that. Also, a fun uh, news, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be aired live for the first time 
on Disney Plus. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they did some testing with live stuff like I think about a year ago. Yeah. Um just to see how it would work and now I I think they They've are They've been doing a few more. Yeah. yeah. So that's fun. Um and finally they released a full-length trailer for the new Percy Jackson series. I'll drop that link in the description. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Okay. So on to today's episode. I got my dates wrong. We dropped Haunted Mansion for the, with the Muppets last week. Yeah. Thinking that the new Haunted Mansion would be out in time for us to watch it for this episode. It wasn't. It was not. No. Ron Howard comes um, in. It, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Anyway, uh. point is we needed something to watch and I thought, ooh, we haven't done Werewolf by Night. But we had. We had done it for the Patreon. Yeah. So we're going to surface it over here on the main channel. Yeah. We really adored this um there is a color version of it out yeah, right now so it's timely i don't yeah. feel too lazy about doing this no <laughs> it definitely was uh worth the rewatch absolutely absolutely so yeah now we do talk through the plot we give some background where we can and talk a bit about like the future of mc where, where this might fit in yeah so in case you were wondering yes there are going to be spoilers about werewolf by night if you haven't seen this 50 minute marvel special from a year ago yeah sorry <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I think we're good. I think we're, <laughs> I think I think we're good, we're too. Clear. Uh, yeah, yeah, so here's our take on Werewolf by Night. We did research on Wikipedia, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Marvel.com, but also I did a little bit of reading from the Hollywood Reporter article, Marvel's Werewolf by Night Sets a Stage for Horror-Style Avengers Crossover by Richard Newby, and a Polygon article called Werewolf by Night Refuses to Call It's Monster Thing by His Real Name by Susanna Polo, um, and also just a major shout out to the New Rockstars channel on YouTube. Oh, if yes. you like deep dive on not just Marvel stuff, but geek nerd culture, yeah. if you're one of those people who's like, okay, I know I'm missing references and I just want to know what they are. New Rockstars is the channel for you. Clancy got me hooked on it because they do some really solid uh, canon based theorizing on all sorts of content. Yeah. And it's and, and, and it's almost seems like they've got Disney's blessing to a degree. They popped up in the junkets for this. Yeah. It's very insightful, very well uh, researched and also just ultimately fun. Like they 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 it's not a slog like you go through no. some of those some of those comic book YouTube channels are like. All right. Pedantic as fuck. <laughs> yeah. My point is, it's like sitting down and talking with a similarly enthusiastic friend. Yes. Like you finish watching, for example, Werewolf by Night and you go, God, I really want to talk to somebody about this right now. At the very yeah. least, you can go to New Rockstars and watch their content and have your enthusiasm affirmed. This is a personal recommendation from us. Yeah. You're welcome. And thank you. Um, Werewolf by Night was released on October 7th, 2022, directly to the platform. Uh, it's a brisk 54 minutes. Yep. It is not a big commitment. Um, direction and music by Michael Giacchino. He has, he's not, this is his first time directing. Yeah. He's a composer. He's, he did the Marvel overture that we all know and love. Yeah. And we've talked about him multiple times because he's done a whole bunch. Yeah. He's worked with like JJ Abrams, Brad Bird, Matt Reeves, Pete Doctor. He got an Oscar for his work on Up, an Emmy for his work on Lost, and three Grammys for his work on Ratatouille and Up. If he composes anything that wins a Tony. Yeah. This man will have egotted. And yeah. he kind of looks like a heterosexual Billy Eichner. A little bit. A little yeah, bit. I, I could see that for sure. But yeah, no, it, it, this is honestly great work from him. And uh, like I said, I, I'm really kind of excited to see if they give him a little bit more reign to do these sort of things. Because I mean, I would love it. Not for nothing. Or maybe not. Maybe let's just bring in some 
people with a creative idea and cycle them back. Like maybe they don't need to be sure, sure, um, sure. bound by uh, any sort of overarching. Well, I mean, you know, they, they kind of did that with uh, Dr. Strangemom by bringing in San Raimi. It was definitely a, a change in, in tone for them. Yes. So I think like, they were seeking it, too, because there's, I think, some some fair scuttlebutt criticism, gossip, whatever, that the reason Marvel's leaning into younger directors a lot more mm-hmm. now is so that they can exert a little bit of that executive creative control. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting that Sam Raimi comes in. I think the issue is, is that a lot of the other directors that have done Marvel movies before are now losing the control that they had, that yes. they had initially, especially with the feature side, the television side, they're letting all these great people do some shit that's uh, truly changing what the MCU looks like. And hopefully that will bleed back over into the film. Well, but again, I think that uh, I don't think that's entirely the case. Sam Raimi. Yes. Is another big name director, but they haven't been big name directors outside of the Russos. Well, and, and um, did Avengers one. Just Whedon. Yeah. Nia Diacosta, who's directing the Marvels, she's a relatively new filmmaker. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is they've gone, by and large, with the exception of Sam Raimi. Yeah. Point is, is I think younger directors are a little bit more pliable to things like that. And this allows them the platform to make their names. But also, it Absolutely. keeps giving us different points of view. I don't know that everything in in the MCU needs to look like a Russo Brothers movie. No, it absolutely doesn't. And I think the Ryan Coogler Black Panther movies are exactly the testament to that point is that Shang-Chi, same thing. Yeah, you've got uh, these these very disparate points of view, but they're coming from directors that are a happy to be there. Yeah. And and, you know, are are not necessarily like, you know, I'm an auteur and this is the way that I like to do Mm -hmm. my things and I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. But much like bringing in new writers in the comic stories, those same fresh voices are eager to put their stamp on it. For sure. And so far, I feel like it's a gamble that's paid off. But we're getting in the weeds. Let's keep on going. Michael Giacchino did the direction and music story by Heather Quinn and the teleplay by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron. All right, let's get into the cast. We've got Gael Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell slash werewolf by night, a, a supposed monster hunter who has been afflicted with a curse that turns him into a werewolf. Yeah, we've got Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone. Uh, she is Ulysses Bloodstone's estranged daughter who dislikes her family tradition of hunting monsters. Harriet Sansom Harris as Verusa Bloodstone, Ulysses' widow and Elsa's stepmother who leads the secret group of monster hunters. Uh, Kirk R. Thatcher as Joven. Eugene Bondurant as Azeril. Leonardo Nam as Leorn. Daniel J. Watts as Barrasso. Al Homaker appears as Billy Swan, the Bloodstone servant. Carrie Jones portrays the swamp creature Ted slash man thing. He played Black Chrysanthemum. Oh, that's fun. In the, um, yeah, book, yeah, yeah, book yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. David Silverman appears as the flaming tuba player. Rick Wasserman narrates the special's opening sequence. He actually has voiced Thor in Avengers cartoons. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Dixon uh, is voices Ulysses Bloodstone. Elsa's deceased monster hunting father who originally wielded the Bloodstone and has become a talking corpse. I, I took that from Wikipedia. He's not a talking corpse. He's just an animatronic. He's an animatronic. He's an animatronic. He's like yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. He is. Um, All right. Do you want to do this plot real quick? Yes. I condensed even the Wikipedia plot. We're going to gloss all over a lot of stuff. Again, this is spoiler territory. Yeah, You should have watched this by this point. At this all point, all we're yeah. doing here is we're just outlining the basics so that if you have talking wa- about what we enjoyed. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's do this. Let's do this.
group of monster hunters is gathering for a ritualistic monster hunt to the death, if necessary, hosted by the widow Verusa Bloodstone to become the next holder of the Bloodstone, a magic artifact anathema to monsters, quote unquote. Daughter of the previous holder, Elsa Bloodstone, arrives and causes a minor hubbub. The hunt begins with Jack Russell entering the hunting grounds first. After a series of altercations with one another and the other hunters, Jack and Elsa come to a tentative truce to help the monster, Jack's friend Ted, escape. In so doing, Jack is revealed to be a monster himself. Verusa subdues Jack and Elsa, forces Jack to turn into a werewolf, and the werewolf rages as Elsa joins the fight. The werewolf lets Elsa live, Verusa tries to kill her, and Ted returns to Elsa's favor and kills Verusa for her. Elsa, claiming the bloodstone, fades into color as Jack and Ted reunite at a makeshift camp. All right. So what's really interesting, I think, and kind of aligns with some of the new Rockstar's theories about yeah. this is how, again, to a point you made earlier, which may or may not make it in the edit, depending on how long it is. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. They, You, you could drop right in. There, yes. You don't have to have watched anything else. This stands alone to a large degree as a solo arc. I would, I would imagine if this were a comic book, it would be a three or four issue sort of mini series and maybe they'd bind it together in a collected yeah. edition. It's very self-contained. It's, it's difficult to go into like, let's say end game and, yes. and not have any sort of context for what's going on. Right. But you could theoretically watch black Panther and you'd get the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you know, that sort of style. And I think that that is important to do, especially when you've got new characters that you're introducing. Yes. Or or at least not continuing an immediate story. You know what I yeah. mean? Like if you're starting something new, it should be able to stand up on its own. And I think that this is very successful in doing so. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this. Same. Yeah. Uh, point is, is that this intro gives a voiceover that basically says, Hey, as you might know, there are superheroes, and here's what they look like. With its heroes and marvels. But what of the darkness? In our modern world, this is where monsters dwell. There's also monsters. Yeah. I think this sets up kind of an idea uh, uh, that mm, you, if, you, if you follow a lot of the fan theorizing, even outside of new Rockstars videos, there's a uh, chatter that mutants and things are going to get folded in as if they've been there the entire time. It's not going to yeah. be like a new thing. We might find out some new people are mutants or whatever. And that's also going to help when we start folding scrolls in because it, it starts, yeah. you start asking that question of who can I trust? And that's what's intriguing about those sorts of stories. But the style and inspiration for this, like mm -hmm. apparently early on Feige asked Michael Giacchino, if you were going to make a movie, what would you make? He, and he said, without hesitation, this, and he, it's basically been this vision since the initial pitch. It's got, such heavy visual um, yeah. inspiration from all, not just the universal horror movies, mm -hmm. but also from a lot of that late 50s, early 60s kind of B horror, late night creature feature horror. Yeah, those old horror, black and white horror movies that are not necessarily scary. No, but they're like, tense. They're tense. They're eerie. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what this is going. There's not very many jump scares, but other than that, like, uh, this is a different kind of horror. And I think that this works for the MCU. Well, and even when there are jump scares and we'll get to it a little bit later, yeah. this 54 minute feature directed by a composer yeah. changes the reality and upends your expectation of what's going to happen yeah. such that it becomes delightful. Well, and uh, there's, there's even a trend of a lot of, of comedians or comedy actors doing 
horror movies like a Jordan Peele and, yeah. and stuff like that. And so those things are very much in the same cloth. And so like this Agreed. makes sense that they are sort of integrating what is ostensibly funny Marvel with horror Marvel because all the jump scares in this are effectively played off as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point, and of course, I'm sure theses have been written about this. Other people who who do this shit for a living yeah. have made this point. Um, but I think the strength of a comedy actor in a horror film or a traditionally comedy actor or at least non, you know, um, quote unquote, straight actor, someone sure. who's a character actor mm-hmm. um, succeeds and and does um, really appeals to an audience in a horror film yeah. is because they're used to working in non-realistic expectations sure right comedy is always heightened for some reason well it is and and there's a drama actor coming into a horror because even jamie lee curtis is kind of a character actress you know what i mean when you think of her filmography yeah i think to that point that very much you know comedic actors are generally and not to say that any really of the actors in here are comedic but at the same time like that's harriet harris is Harriet Sansom Ares is a comedic actress, yes. but there's timing to it, and like it, you have to have yes. that good sense of timing in order to kind of know to make something funny or to make something scary. Like those are those are uh, again they're they're within the same cloth. Yeah, so, for sure. She actually won the Tony and the Drama Desk for her uh, role as the villain in Thoroughly Modern Millie in 2002. Oh, cute! And she was nominated for an Emmy as a guest actress on Hacks. Oh my God, Hacks! But also she yeah. was on. Frazier for the longest time. Okay. Um, she was sense. his agent, I think. Fun. Um, okay. So yeah, that's like she, I, I love her in this. All these years without training. No, his training. Let's find out together. You were so promising growing up. We all believed you would surpass your father. Instead, you seem satisfied to emulate your mother. I did what I could with you. Shame I didn't turn out. Don't be too easy on yourself. You were the greatest disappointment of his life. But the visual look is very stunning. It's unlike anything else we've seen in the MCU, even after Thor Love and Thunder, like the dark universe or whatever, the visual look. Oh, like absolutely. We've never seen anything like this in the MCU. No. Because even in Thor Love and Thunder, that uh-huh. sort of like negative, that's like a space without color and light that looks necessarily different than a space that has color, has light, but cannot be rendered. But there being a stone or some sort of weapon that sort of breaks that and has the color, I think that's the thing that sort of links those two together, and I think that's what's interesting. But this movie in and of itself, being black and white and unapologetically so, it's lit for it. The characters are wearing the colors for it and things like that. Um, there's a reveal at the end where color comes in. Yeah. You know, she's wearing completely red and things like that. And you could tell if you know if you know what you're looking for with black and white movies, you can know what color they're wearing based on the yeah. on the shade. There was a lot of cognizant like choices Deliberate. that were made. Yeah. Um the sh- the the absolutely pin sharp shadows that they used in this to give just that very, very noir yeah. uh sort of look to it. But also having just a uh, these sets that a lot of it is very gray, very, very kind of almost washed out Mm -hmm. until you get into the characters moving through these different spaces and making these very distinct areas that, you know, where, you you know, that's creating that that sense of belonging Mm -hmm. because you can have that in color. And that's usually through tone. Like you've got either, you know, warm colors 
cooler colors, things like that. Mm-hmm. You don't have you that know ability. When you're walk, watching a Soderbergh film, absolutely. <laughs> but you also know what time of day it is. Yes, black and white. You don't necessarily have that indication, no. and so the fact that they were still making these distinct areas based on the different qualities of light yeah. in black and white is just impressive. And they kind of talk, uh, touch on it in the new Rockstar stuff, but um, uh, about whether or not Elsa is seeing her. Like, do the characters see this? world in black and white especially given the transformation afterwards yeah because some of the characters looks at the stone while that's happening well and then even after that Mm -hmm. jack and ted are in color but is it is this monster world because they they talk about early on it's under this other world is it a pocket dimension because there was some speculation early on that the armed forces that you see throughout here were tva because the outfits were similar yeah and it looked like they had pruning sticks but they're just like long tasers like cattle prods yeah which makes sense they're just they're the they're you know they're prodding monsters effectively right they're, they're keeping monsters apparently in this place and so, so that's what they're doing i am curious as to where this slides in and what is considered the mcu reality i would as we know it i would but think that maybe it's protected in some sort of way like maybe that's at least it, the hunting grounds are and that's what it is is that void of color and again, to that point of black and white, this is very much a, it's almost informing the black and white nature that the Bloodstones viewed monsters in. Yes. And I think that that's kind of also speaks to the whole point is that they are like, all monsters are bad. All monsters need to be, uh, need to be hunted. And the thesis of this is that's not true. No, there's a on, lot of gray on two area. different levels. <laughs> the, the, yes, really. There's a lot of gray area. And the only way to explore that gray area with uh, perhaps empathy. Yeah. Is through color. Exactly. Which I it just as an artistic motif, I love. Right. But we get all these different hunt- hunters. Each has a different story. Yeah. There's this idea that monster hunting happens in this universe, which again, we assume is 616. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we have no indication None. as of right now. Either uh, way. Yeah. Which is again, why it can stand on its own exactly. really, really well. Jack Russell, who's played by Gael Garcia Bernal. This, who is he? It's a good question. This character actually has a very in-depth lore that is not worth going into. All you yeah. need to know, I think, for the context of this, to sort of maybe peel back some of the layers here, is that, yes, he's a werewolf, but it's a curse. It's an inherited curse. Interesting. It's not like he was attacked. It's something that comes from his father, and he right. actually has a castle in Transylvania, yada, yada, yada. It's a whole bunch of stuff. And it was in his comics that Moon Knight makes his first appearance. There's a reference to it in the Moon Knight show, even, to yeah. the issue number. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of depth here, and I think that there's a lot that they can explore. Now, the practical effects feel very universal monster. Yeah, like there was, I, and I pointed this out to Josh when we were rewatching it because uh, the, the the like the big axe that they have looks like it's made out of styrofoam, and it doesn't look like it has like the weight that it should. And again, I I think these are all deliberate choices. I yeah. just wonder if we do see a werewolf by night in another property, which again we'll discuss here in a bit. Is it going to look the same or will it be a more on brand MCU? Will it just be plussed up a little bit? Cause like that's all facial prosthetics. That's that's makeup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause yeah, he's definitely, it looks like he's in a fursuit. It, yeah. do, it doesn't look like, you know, um, like there's any real uh, visual effects, you know, embiggening or whatever. Right. Um, there is, but uh, but to your point, it definitely looks like sort of, you know, universal monster. Most of the production is practical in this. They yeah. use visual effects where they can, obviously, Ted. Um, but even some of these wild, why do I want to call them hero shots? They're set pieces mm-hmm. are fully practically shot. 
I, I completely agree. And I think that this is a, it has a sort of style and it, and it sticks to it. Like it knows what it's trying to be. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it, I think it succeeds in that. And even more so, like, you know, when we get Elsa Bloodstone. So many death dealers in one room. Oh, my dear heart. Thank you for gathering in ritual, for shedding your masks tonight in honor of Ulysses Bloodstone. He was a leader, a friend, a lover without equal. She drags that chair across the floor. Yes, to and interrupt just, this whole... Yeah, like sort of men in black. Uh, yes. And... Uh, New Yorkers kind of made that same parallel. She puts herself in that room. That sort of like brash character is like, okay, cool. We've got one character who we know is there's something going on with Jack. Right. But then we've got this other character who is completely out of the- Insisting upon her presence in this Exactly. It's amazing. She's a newer character in the comics. And in the comics, her depiction is a bit more, she's a a, a vamp in the sexy character lady term. She's got- She's usually got tits up to her chin. She's always wielding guns and her hair is in a high pony. And I think she tends to be a bit more like cut glass proper with her accent, at least in the depictions I've seen her in. Because you can, she's a character in the Ultimate Alliance game on the, on the Switch. Uh, she comes up oh, actually when you're cool. traversing one of the hell dimensions. But the actress was drawn to the character's fighting capability and being able to do the stunt work herself. Oh, so rad. that's cool. Um, and then Michael Giacchino specifically did not want the MCU version of the character to be hypersexualized like the comics is because he wanted her quote to be a badass, uh, to be smart, to be vulnerable and to be a real person, which he believed Donnelly embodied in spades. Yeah, for sure. I I feel like Yelena vibes from her a bit in terms of like her fighting style yeah. and not. And like, again, and I get Jessica Jones from her personality. Exactly. I think I like, want to see the three of those characters. Oh my God. Teaming up for something. That would be delightful. Jess yes. is the muscle. Elsa's the um, tactician, magical specialist, and she, Yelena yeah, is she's the almost like the Indiana Jones surgeon of yes. of of the MCU, right? Sort now. of a supernatural Indiana Jones, and Absolutely. we only are basing that off of this. But I would love kind of a Constantine esque series yeah. movie featuring Elsa Bloodstone and some of these other characters. But again, we'll get to that in a bit for sure. The last note for the section that I think we we really wanted to point out was the parallel from. Ulysses Bloodstone to the Crypt Keeper <laughs> with these bad puns and how he kind of looks like a like a shit carnival animatronic. Yeah, it's like they went back to the eighties and grabbed a a animatronic from Disney and was just like, okay, let's let's light it they on fire. They redressed a fortune then, teller as the Crypt Keeper, yeah, lit basically. it on fire, <laughs> and then wrote some really really uh, cheesy dialogue. The hunter who slays this beast will become our new leader, taking possession of my bloodstone. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. (laughs) Oh, forgive me. Graveyard humor. They're folding humor in here. Mm -hmm. I think that's also kind of a, a horror pastiche of like, putting something in to let the audience's guard down yeah, to sort of then amp things back up. And honestly, what they're amping up is not the, the visuals, the horror or whatever. It's all of the character depth. And I just, I fucking love it. 
you know, to that point in a lot of horror movies, there's the trope of, you know, like a cat jumping into frame and that startling everyone and things like that. It's those sort of expectations that you're playing with with the viewer that um, make it so that you, you yeah, you do take your guard down and you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you think that it's one thing, but it's not something else. And that's honestly this whole show. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on, the hunt starts. There's a ritual. There's a really great crossfade with Verusa's face into this skull where they're drawing runes out of mm-hmm. it. They drop their little badges that say, hey, I'm a hunter and I'm going to draw this rune. And that's the order they go into the hunt or whatever. Yeah. Jack and Elsa formally meet, but this fire tuba. Oh my God. It it reminded me very much of when people die in the hunger games. It's that sort of thing where it's like, there's a horn except it's when they're coming in. Yeah. You know, we hear the monster get the bloodstone affixed to it. And Jack starts walking in. There's this fire tuba. And then there's just lots of tense, quiet exploration. Yeah. And we get these um, sort of set piece fights. First Jack and Elsa meet each other. And again, we let our guards down. Because Jack's like, let's just walk around. Let's we, we just compl- I'm I'm not here to fight. And else is like, oh, beg your pardon. And then an axe comes around the corner. You know what I mean? Like right. they're 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 making you get let your guard down before this big fight scene starts. Yeah, but they are really hyping up the tension yes. throughout this thing. It's very much like labyrinth or anything like that, where you're in this maze that you maybe don't. The shots are so close. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's putting you, the camera that's attached to the viewer, and they're obscuring your view. Yeah. Again, that just creates that more tension because you are, you can't look around. There's no reverse. The camera's not pulling out to show you the context of where where they are. The whole scene of them in the maze, I still don't know how this maze is laid out. No, it's brilliant, right? And and, and I feel like that, again, just as like anybody can pop out from anywhere. It's not giving you any sort of sense of space that plays really well here. Yeah. But this is where, like you said, Elsa gets that ax and it feels like it's not very heavy. Yeah. She escapes that fight, eventually gets into another one with this crossbow wielder as she's approaching a mausoleum. Yeah. Deflects the arrow, cuts that dude's arm off. Oh, yeah. He keeps fighting. With lots of blood, by the way. Like, yeah. There's, like, and the MCU has always shied away from blood. It's usually either blood that's like dried or is already on them. You don't see the visual gore of the blood going no. everywhere. And they, I think that's, it's a combination of being on their own platform mm-hmm. and being in black and white. I think, but they, they don't, they don't wild. hold back. No, they don't hold back. Very visceral fighting. This dude's arm gets cut off. Elsa then shoots him in the face with his own crossbow Mm -hmm. and they create this other moment of tension where the guy she stole the ax from comes back in, but my dude's choking because she just shot him in the throat again, even in this very tight, compact piece Mm -hmm. to, to ramp up the tension. You, all of these hunters are actually going to kill each other now. Oh yeah. They're all trying to get the bloodstone for themselves and it is literally a fight to the death or to claim the bloodstone. Yeah. We went from stakes where it was like these girls were all just kind of at a cocktail party. Right. To they are straight up murdering each other. All of all of that was just they were putting on a face and this is who they truly are. And then Jack runs into his friend Ted. Yes. Who is and this is to Polygon's point. They never refer to him as man thing, but Mm -hmm. it's man thing. Yeah. Curiously, man thing and swamp thing. Marvel DC respectively. Yeah. Man thing was first. Swamp thing came after. And they were created by roommates who worked for the rival publishers. It makes sense. Swamp Things went into a completely different direction because yeah. he's like an actual, now like a mythological force of nature. Whereas Man Thing. They were trying to make the super soldier serum or they yes. were trying to do that in the Florida Everglades. He gets, he injects himself with it and then falls into the swamp. But and it, then 
he combines forces yeah. with organic material, not just from the swamp, but from the nexus of realities yeah. and transformed into a big green mush face swamp monster you, he is today. And you mentioned the nexus. He is kind of a extra multiversal creature. He's not necessarily tied to 616. Yeah. Which is also wild. Yeah. To your point, does play into the, we don't really know if this is in 616 either. Or if it's a pocket dimension. Or, or if what? it's a pocket dimension. Yes. There's lots of questions. He's got a whole power kit, strong nature, affinity, whatever, whatever. But yeah. what we see here is his sort of primary defense. He excretes that acid as a reaction to fear. Yeah. And it's like a burning acid that so, you know, anyone who would be afraid of him is instantly in trouble, which is why it's essential that Elsa isn't afraid of him. Right. And I fucking love that. And we it, even see when she refers to him as Ted his eyes change and they, they sort of like centralize into pupils and he like, it's almost animalistic. The friendliness, the amount of emotion that they were able to, to infuse. Yes. Into this fully CG character. Exactly. It's a plant monster. It really helps sell it. Yeah. Because he looks like he fits yeah. in there at the end when he's in color, it's kind of a different aesthetic. I almost think that Jack looks out of place mainly because right? all of his makeup is gone. It's an it's an interesting thing that like that helps bring them together in yes. this world. Yeah. And Gael Garcia Bernal is a hot, hot man. But when he smiles like the way he does, he, he, a this, goofy he boy. looks like a goofy boy. But yes, we, we sort of figure out who the real monster is here because Elsa agrees to help Jack. Yep. Let, you know, help his friend escape, especially like they get caught in this mausoleum together. Mm -hmm. Jack's running from a hunter. Elsa's hurt inside the mausoleum and they have this sort of heart to heart. Their relationship is changing. Yeah. And they're both voicing their frustrations with sort of effectively generational trauma. Yeah. Jack has this great line about how the, the one thing our families have in common is that they follow us. I can tell you my family was very different. But all families have something in common. They follow us. For good, for bad, they, they stay like they become an atmosphere. And sometimes we think that by doing something very specific, we can change everything and not be like them. You're here trying to end your father's legacy. And I think it goes unsaid to some degree, but it, he's there because of the curse of his father. Like, yeah, he has to continue his father's legacy. She's trying to stop hers. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting dichotomy, but they get they, they make that agreement. It's sort of a tentative truce. And he has this explosive that he's going to blow a wall and she tells him exactly where to go. Mm -hmm. There's a weak wall that'll fall. And he explains that to Ted, a uh, man thing. But th this whole comedy of errors. Yeah. With him throwing this little explosive disc first at the wall and then he hides. Doesn't make, nothing happens. Tries to stick it on the wall. He runs away. It falls off. And the whole time I'm just yelling, stick it in, Jack, stick it in, Jack, <laughs> like a fucking horny pervert. Yeah. It's, it, and again, this is where that humor portion kind of comes in and it, it's punctuating, you know, the eeriness, the, the horror elements with this comedy that's, I mean, it's funny. And again, you're letting your guard down because we're about to get here at the end of act, act two, another big surprise. One thing we haven't mentioned yet that they, again, also call it on New York stars is the um, real markers that happen at the end of each act. Yeah. It's punctuated in terms of what, of what the acts are, which sure. is how it would have been. If it were a B film, there would have been different reels for each of these, especially if it was a longer piece. Yeah. Um, and that little like circle 
punch is to give the um, projectionistic cue that, hey, you've got to change your reel soon. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's real clever. But yeah, yeah, they blow the wall. Ted runs out. Another fun note, because again, it looks all of this looks like it's in the same place. Apparently, according to Hollywood Reporter, having a fully realized man thing was Feige's idea. Of course it was. He's like, I'm financing this shit. I, I want the real thing. I want to give, give it to me. Yeah. Jack goes to touch the bloodstone and gets blown back by it. This is where all the other hunters converge. Verusa comes back. Elsa knows what that means. Yeah. And is suddenly very different towards Jack. Oh, yeah. But Verusa tells us, oh, well, then you must be a monster, too. A monster. Masquerading as one of our own. Desecrating a sacred night. And you, what was the thinking here? You freed a monster with a monster? Didn't know that bit. Well, I can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are. So they, they put Jack and Elsa in that cage. Yes. And they start to have, you know, Jack is basically like, hey, this is what's going on. It's fine. We've got five days before the next full moon. We're going to be safe. She's Elsa like, knowing, oh, no, oh, we've ah. got the bloodstone. Mm-hmm. This will turn you. And, it, and they once put me it, in here with you so that you would kill me. Right. And so those stakes that they kind of put in play there and then him realizing that. And then, much closer. and then in a, you know, almost a desperation was just like, you need to don't. Don't break eye contact with me. Don't he's break. He's smelling yeah. her, and she's just like, "What is? Does this? What? What? what h- hello, hello." Okay, okay. So if this is gonna happen, I need you to look at me. Okay, do not break eye contact, no matter what. What are you talking about? What are you doing? <laughs> and this is what? I need to remember you. Well, does it work? Once. Apparently this has worked once. Yeah. That he, whoever he was with was not killed by the werewolf. If he took these steps. Yeah. When he gets turned and then the ensuing fight here, this is absolutely incredible in terms of the, the choreography and the staging. It's all, it's all done super well. Yes. And we'll get into that, but I want to say this is where I had the thought they're in this cage together. The were- the monster, the werewolf, the one who is diseased yeah. in there with someone who is going to be a victim. And Verus's speech about this being out of mercy for the monster. This is where on the third or second viewing, it sort of hit me as in a way that many monster stories are a queer allegory. This may surprise you. A whole mission is built on mercy for you and those like you as well as all the innocent lives you take here you have a zealot who sees the world in black and white monsters and non-monsters who's saying i'm torturing you for your own good Mm. i'm putting you through this because i know based on my beliefs that this is what's best for you because you're a monster like even she takes her her mask off and she's got tears, but they're tears of blood. Like even that as a metaphor is yeah. it's it's kind of the crocodile tears of the evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it echoes kind of a sense of even early in the AIDS movement, how people would separate them and how uh, there's that parallel of I, I'm not a monster and I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And who's the real monster and how's 
How's that actually impacting and how is society? Because that's the big, the big moral of the story here is that Ted is not actually a quote monster. And even the werewolf yeah. retains some humanity and the real monsters are the bloodthirsty murderers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is super heavy uh, in right? terms of the of that. But it uh, struck me on this yeah, most recent viewing that I, I, like, holy shit, I can there's see, a parallel I can see here. Where you're, yeah, I can see where that's coming from. And, and again, Jack being, describing himself as human, but not as the human that you think a human right? is. Because I mean, and again, you could, you can also draw that to, you know, the stuff that. The current experience trans people are going through. They are human. Yeah. And uh, I'm just different than you, but I'm also the same. Right. And you've got pitchforks. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's oof. It's rough. Yeah. That's what we call queer theory. But to your point, all, all of this is shot deliberately, beautifully. We Mm -hmm. get that long shot of him changing into the werewolf that was practically shot. Yeah. So the, apparently in interviews, they were saying that the, the transformation that the, the shadows that are being projected on the back wall are not CG. Those are all done yeah. in camera. It's just done so well. And it honestly, I thought it was CG because it just looked perfect. Perfect. And yeah. I, I, I'm, it's an incredible thing that they were able to accomplish there. When he busts out of the cage and he's fighting in that corridor as the doors are yeah. it's like all of that being one shot. There's such artistry here. There really is. There, there's, there's very few cuts. It, the staging and choreography is just done so, so well. This fight is so visceral. Even when it cuts it really back to is. Elsa, she's picking up different weapons. Yeah. She's using martial arts. Like she's going hand to hand combat yeah. and mixing it up with, like I said, the different weapons. And then we get probably the most brutal death in oh MCU God. canon. Yeah. I mean, literally a sword going into a forehead. And like, and you see we it come happen. back to it yep. like twice. Yeah. Maybe Dr. Strange mom, like maybe Wanda eviscerating the Illuminati is as gory or maybe a little bit more depending on your personal sort of like uh, perspective. But man, the sword right through her forehead. Yeah. It, nuts. It, it is. It's super, super nuts. This is doing some things that I don't think it's trying out things in the MCU yeah. that we haven't really been able to take advantage of in the theatrical releases because we were really limited to PG 13, but that's not the case anymore. No. Deadpool will be the first R rated Disney produced Marvel film, Marvel film. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm really excited to kind of see how they can, what they can pull off because again, uh, you know, we're, we're talking 10 years. Yeah. You have, you know, a teenager growing up with, with the, uh, you know, the original MCU Iron Man. They're now in their 20s. Wanting to make films like this. Wanting to make films Maybe, or see Wanting to films tell stories like this. And see films like yes. that. I'm really excited if this is kind of the transition that they're, they're kind of putting into the MCU is, is making it less kid-friendly, but also just more acceptable to a, an older audience. So it works. She maintains eye contact. She doesn't show fear. The werewolf smells her and recognizes her and runs off. Yeah. And now she's freed two monsters to Verus's pissed yeah she's she's got a wild hair up her ass raises a gun the first gun we see yeah in all of this fantasy nonsense and then making a she-hulk entrance of his own ted smashes through the ceiling (laughs) you will now die as you lived a disgrace to your father's memory and the hallowed bloodstone name 
melts Verusa in his fiery acid and throws her into her dead husband, showing that even if you perceive us queers as monsters, we are going to grip you by the neck and burn you and your ideology from the inside, you incessant fucking bigots. Ah! Sorry. <laughs> this is this is true. I mean, now now it's now it's queer allegory fucking power fantasy. <laughs> and then we get uh, you know, over the rainbow. And I think that hello? that's a, a hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. But yeah, so at this Brenda point, Dorothy, yes, exactly. And I, and I think the, the parallels between this and we'll, 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 we'll we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but no. there, there's a new rocksters that kind of goes over the wizard of Ozness of the current phase of the MCU MCU. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've got Kang who is effectively the Oz. He's the man behind the curtain. You've got, you know, a bunch of different Dorothy characters like America Chavez yep. and, and Elsa. We've had a good witch fight a bad witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the music we've got an Elton John in, in the latest, um, the Ant-Man Quantum, trailer, the quantum media trailer. Yeah. yeah. And Goodbye then, Yellow Brick road. Yeah. There's, there's so many references. And then this somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that like, you know, there's the man behind the curtain, but, uh, man, like yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens here. Yes. Jack wakes up in a tent. Yeah. Ted has like a stick hut. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ted has uh, escorted him to safety and also apparently put the soundtrack for somewhere over the rainbow on the gramophone that he took from the hunting grounds with yep. his delicate long plant tendrils, but is also playing solitaire and managed to make a um, French press. A French press. <laughs> He is the most dexterous, like I, the Hulk I can't even be so that. Much. Like, I don't even think smart Hulk is that dexterous. I love him so much. Yes. So yeah, that was, that was werewolf by night and uh, it's a romp. Now, what does this mean for the MCU? We've talked a lot about it throughout. Is this a pocket universe? Is this 616? Well, we know the spread special presentations are considered Canon yeah. slash in universe because the guardians Christmas in multiverse, special- but yes, well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the MCU, like, it's still in universe because it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. It's not the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. I wonder if they changed that. We'll see. But yeah. as of right now, it is, quote, in universe mm-hmm. um, because the Guardians one, as I was saying, happens after Endgame. Yeah. And potentially before Love and Thunder because we, it's, as far as we know, it doesn't feature Thor at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, how does this connect? Because Elsa Bloodstone has encountered both Blade and Black Knight. Black Knight, who is hinted at at the end of Eternals, Blade, who we heard at the end of Eternals. Yeah. Um, his movie got pushed out a little bit, but it's chugging right along. Moon Knight is an adversary. They're like him and the werewolf are adversaries for each other. Yeah. And I think that with the success of this, I think there is a degree of of Marvel being like, okay, hey, this works, which means that Blade will work, which means that you know, uh, all of these uh, you know monster adjacent characters are going to work well. Um, I mean, Midnight Suns, which is they're doing the video game of, is effectively yeah. a dark Avengers, a mystical Avengers. Like they have um, the sort of DC equivalent is Justice League Dark. And there's a great animated yeah. uh, feature that you can watch on HBO Max right now um, that tells that because it's like Batman, but John Constantine and Zatanna yeah. and um, Etrigan the Demon. So like we're we're very much in a place where with a Stephen Strange uh, uh, and an Agatha Harkness, a Wanda Maximoff, Elsa Bloodstone werewolf moon Knight, all of mm-hmm. these things could start coming and eventually potentially lead to Mephisto. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ghost Rider, Morbius, like all of this stuff 
folds in in the comics mm-hmm. to the same sort of world. So I really do think that they're opening up um, some things. Hollywood Reporter said Man-Thing, Tomb of Dracula, Son of Satan, Tales of the Zombie, Frankenstein, The Living Mummy, and Manphibian. They're all Marvel's semi-unique spins on Universal's classic monsters and all feel like characters that could thrive in this space. Um, yeah, I fully agree. Because even in the comics, most of the lore behind the monster stems from the demon Cthon, who's the one who created the Darkhold. Yeah. So, and, and, and I mean, to that point, you know, like, you know, the, the dark hold has been sort of, you know, a thing that's been teased and I, and, and man, we got a big chunk of it in, in Dr. Strange mom, but yeah. like, as they've hinted, we don't think Wanda's dead, but even in Loki, like they've talked, they talk about capturing vampires. Yeah. So like all of this is kind of threaded through. So what does it mean for the MCU? It, honestly, that it's going into folklore, horror, a little bit monster stories. Um, and and that ties in with like the magic mystery for sure. And I think that to your point earlier about the mutants, like this is also sort of, uh, you know, um, I, I don't want to say couching the idea, but, but making the idea of mutants that have always been there mm-hmm. be more plausible because it's like, you know, where we've had our, our, our magnifying glass on the adventures right. for, you know, 10 plus years. And now we're starting to pull back and we're saying, there's a there's a lot else going on that's outside of New York and yeah. outside of L.A. We're seeing all of these other areas that are like all these other things. I mean, fucking Wakanda coming out mm-hmm. in the middle of it. And now it's such a big deal. And soon we're going to get I think it's Atlantis that Namor lives in technically. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have that big city that was teased in um, uh, Quantumania trailer. No, 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 no. Um, Falcon and Winter. And we have that area that was teased in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Madripoor. Madripoor. That's like, you know, there's no laws. There's, it's, it's a lawless sort of area yeah. that, you know, we haven't really explored because yeah. the Avengers are more focused on protecting uh, quote unquote American cities. Well, in the literal universe of 616 has expanded exponentially. Oh, yeah. And it just, I think... For anyone who feels like, oh, I'm getting fatigued with this stuff. I think that's just, that's nonsense. There's plenty more that they can explore with these existing characters. Because that's, this isn't based on any one yeah. arc. Like, these characters were put together for the story. Yeah. Um, And look what they did with it. What we're getting right now is a reboot of the MCU. Yeah. We are getting. A refresh. I think a refresh. A refresh. We're getting yes. new concepts. This is, this is a refresh. Because, I mean, if you go back to what, you know, Iron Man was. And you go back to like Captain America and, and, and those movies where it was just, you know, everything was sort of lightly connected. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, we were getting sort of some characters peppered around or whatever. Phase four has definitely been like a foundational phase. This is phase four is basically like, Hey, we're taking a step back. Let's see what's next. Like, these are all the other things that are happening Let's around. Let's make it. some new things true. Let's set some new context. Yeah. And stakes. And phase five is very much going to be let's play in that space yes. now. Um, and so, you know, it's it's kind of we're almost in that like buy-in stage. And I think that's yeah. why we're having a lot of uh negative reviews, is because it almost feels like some people are like, we're already bought in, we don't need this. Yeah. Um like us. But there's a there's those other people that are are, you know, maybe haven't really given too much time to it. And now we're getting these movies that are made by some of these younger directors, directors that haven't done action films or like, films at all. Or in films this at case. All. Yeah. That are literally killing it. Yeah. Yeah.
Werewolf by Night, such a delight. Such a delight. I I have mixed feelings about it coming in color. We'll put the article about it because I think it's the the method is really effective, especially at the end of the transition from black and white to color. Yeah. That kind of reverse Wizard of Oz situation because it's at the end of the movie and she's going into color. You've heard it. You heard us talk about it. Anyway, I, I loved it. Yeah, this is it's super great. I'll watch the one in color, even though I'm kind of mixed about it. Is what yeah, I'm saying. I mean, and, and again, it, it it honestly, if anything, is a a reason to rewatch it. You know, it might be interesting to see what things you thought was a color that wasn't that color. Because I mean, yeah, when you're shooting for black and white, sometimes the colors that uh that they're using on set are for the contrast and not necessarily for the color itself. Famously, the ha- the set for Adam's Family, the original black and white Adam's Family TV series, yeah. the walls were pink. Yeah. Like live on set, the walls were pink. There was nothing gothic spooky about <laughs> that. <laughs> now, before we close out, we actually got an email. <gasps> I we've yes. been, oh, We're almost done with four years of this, and we've been hawking the submissions at nonplusspod.com email, and we got an email from listener Kim, who wrote in saying they do indeed want to hear our thoughts on the new Haunted Mansion because they, and I quote, thought it was trash. Ooh. They also admit that they saw it at a drive-in and (laughs) that the home viewing experience might actually increase their opinion, but they are in for the fun of it, even if they disagree with us like they did with Mr. Boogity. (gasps) How oh my you? goodness. I hope you're arguing with us live. Cause that's what I do on all of my <laughs> podcasts where people are having opinions. I shout at them. Yes. Uh, they can't hear me, but it's like the height of the parasocial relationship. <laughs> so I encourage you to argue loudly with either of us anytime you want, but asked and answered, we're going to be back next week or next time. I always do that. We're not a weekly show. No, we're not. We'll be back next time with fresh new take on the brand new haunted mansion that came out this year. We didn't really talk about our decorations. We could talk about them next time. <laughs> we can. We'll save that. That's we'll a uh, that. yeah, yeah. Ooh, teaser! What are we doing for Halloween? It's... You'll have to tune in in two weeks to find out. How spooky! How spooky! How creepy! Oh, creepy! Creepy and spooky. Those are the two. Back in Tumblr days, oh. people found these, like, it was like at craft fairs. Instead of spooky, it said spoopy. <laughs> Instead of creepy, it said creppy. Okay. It might have also been fake, for all I know, but I it, mean, that's what spawned the spoopy, creppy craze. God. <laughs> I mean, spoopy, I understand. Creppy is like, are we talking about crepes or crepe paper? Creepy paper? Creepy paper. Creepy paper. All right, Clancy, where can they find us on social media? Uh, they can find us at nonplusspod on Instagram, Facebook, and X. And as we said, you can email us at submissions at nonpluspod.com. Give us your opinions. Suggest something for us to watch, and uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, well, we won't get back to you, but you'll hear about it. But uh, you might, you might hear we read about Kim, it. We read Kim. We didn't read Kim's email, but we read the gist of it. Yes. I don't know. Maybe we'll start doing... Look, if we get enough content, we'll, we'll call do it, listener episodes. We'll call episodes. it the gist section. We'll call it the gist. Nonplus. The gist. <laughs> Just the gist. Just the gist. Not unlike the tip. Okay. We're a little punchy. Yeah. I think it's time to uh, wrap this mother up, as Motormouth Maybell says. Yes. That over there is my ghastly husband, Clancy. Ah, and over there is my thrilling husband, Woo! Josh. And we are nonplussed. Non-plus. Ah-hoo.
I mean, I say that. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> do my thing. I'll drop that link in the description. <laughs> uh, you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? To podcast for to our fans. To talk about wolves. How am I supposed to talk about wolves when I feel like this? Ooh. I'm really ner- nervous. Ooh. And I'm feeling like a louse because we're trying to buy a house. Are you ready? I can't, couldn't I can't, think fast I can't enough. go any further. All right. Let's, let's, okay. uh, let's, let's go. Somebody, someone is at the door. Somebody at the door or did somebody go in the garage? Oh, is cat at the door? <laughs> we we can't have that one in here. She'll want out too soon. There because, I said it. I don't regret it. Yes. Okay. Because mm-hmm. um what how what is that a reference to? Women are an ocean of secrets. Got it. Coming up all stars. See, when you make non sequitur (laughs) references to things (laughs) that literally don't connect to what we're talking about, uh, you lose me sometimes. Fair enough. You lose me. (laughs) Um, Remember, you can get $20 off your first box of booze boosters from Shaker and Spoon with the code nonplus. Just go to shakerandspoon.com slash nonplus to get your $20 off today. Add some personality to your potions. And some spice to your sauce. Ew. 